0: think About old dark houses and spooky haunted house type movies. I think of the ghastly ones, and I think the song Surfin' Spooks from their album A Haunting We Will Go-Go. It's a good way to open up episode 166 of Monster Kid Radio. You can find them over at ghastly ones.com. You can find me over at monsterkidradio.net. That's the website for this podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And I am your classic or maybe not so classic host. Writer-producer Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. This episode is going out on Thursday, January 8th, and I'm excited because we are talking Abbott and Costello movies here on the show with frequent Monster Kid Radio guests, longtime Monster Kid Radio listener, Joe Stuber. Now, Joe Stuber is the man behind the Comic Book Central podcast, which you guys and gals should really be listening to. He's also involved in the IndieCast. I'll play a promo from them here in a little bit. But when I think of Joe, the first thing I think of is Abbott and Costello. Now, we've gone through all the Abbott and Costello meet the monster type movies here on the show. This week, we're talking about an earlier film in their... Filmography. We're talking about the movie Hold That Ghost. Now, two days ago in episode 165, we talked about the production, the cast, the crew, some of the technical aspects of the movie. This time around, we're getting spoilery because we're going to go through the plot and break down the story of the film. And, of course, along the way, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the production behind the movie, some of the decisions that were made, some of the cuts that had to be made, some of the censoring involved, and some things that maybe didn't age as well uh, when it comes to a movie filmed in a less enlightened time. Well, we'll get to that. Before we get to all that though, I want to remind everybody you can find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio at that website I mentioned earlier, monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find links to everything that you'll need to fully experience Monster fully experience Monster Kid Radio really. Anyway, there's a link to every bit of music that's appeared here on the show proper. Click on the word songs up there across the top. You're going to find a list of bands, websites, albums, the episodes that the song appeared in, that sort of thing. Every one of these bands gave us permission to play their music on the show. So we thank them for that. If you are interested in hearing the song that we opened up the show with in its entirety, well, just stick around. We'll play it at the end. Also on our website, we have a link to our Amazon store. Now, this just goes straight to Amazon. We're an Amazon affiliate. We get like a couple of pennies here and there anytime you buy something through the Amazon store. Things like movies that appeared on the Holiday Gift Guide a couple of weeks ago. We have some, well, I'm going to call them perma links. These are links to people who have supported the show, been on the show more than once, and my own personal website. We have a live 365 radio station on the internet. It's free. It's ad-driven. But it's free. You can listen to music and sounds from classic monster movies. Got some trailers thrown into the mix. It's on Live 365. We have a link to our Patreon page where you can support the show and a link to our Facebook group. Now, if you join the Facebook group, this is where conversations happen between episodes and where I sometimes make announcements about upcoming episodes before I talk about it here on the show. In fact, this weekend on Facebook, I'm going to go ahead and announce what we're going to plan on doing next month on Monster Kid Radio. Our contact information is also at our website. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. That's how you can get a hold of me here at the show and interact with me directly. We'll play your voicemail on the show, read your email, and go from there. Now, over on Facebook, sometimes people comment on various episodes as well. So go check out the Facebook group John Sheffer left a comment about what I said about I Bury the Living last time. Eric J. Peterson left a comment about the last episode and about this film. So head over there if you're a Facebook user and check that out. You know what? I'm eager to get to Joe Stuber. Let's not keep him waiting any longer. Let's not keep you guys and gals waiting any longer. We're going to get to our conversation about the story of Hold That Ghost right after this.
1: I see you marrying a corpse, living in a grave. The vampire can assume very many different forms at will. Sometimes it appears as a bat, and sometimes as a small cloud of swirling vapor. In this way, it can move unseen among its enemies.
2: Son of Dracula, searing the screen with new terror in this weird tale of the living dead, who rise from the grave at night to prey on unsuspecting victims. With Louise Albritton, Robert Page, Evelyn Ankers, Frank Craven, J. Edward Bromberg, and Lon Chaney as the new Count Dracula, you'll shudder at the screen's most fascinating woman vampire, luring men with cold beauty and the promise of immortality.
1: Count Alucard is immortal. Through him, I attained immortality. Through me, you will do the same. Ghostbreakers Incorporated. You make them, we shake them. Bob Hope speaking. Yes, Paulette Goddard's a partner in this firm. What? You want me to send her around? Ha ha ha. Listen, if I could tell Paulette what to do, I wouldn't send her to your house. Sucker. You know, I never knew there were so many ghosts roaming around loose until Paulette and I got into the Ghostbreakers. Believe me, the cat and the canary was a pink tea compared to this picture. It all starts in one terrible mm-hmm. night. Basil Rathbone must be giving a party. That's the night that Paulette inherits a ghostly ancient castle off the coast, I mean the coast of Cuba. The place is filled with mummies and spooks that walk at midnight. There are murders and death warnings planned to frighten Paulette and me, but we ain't frightened. I'll match you to see who paints first.
2: Miss Carter's voice.
1: Ah, that's what they're trying to make us believe. One reason Paulette and I are such good ghost breakers is that we don't believe in ghosts. (laughs) Or do I? Ah! Tune in each fortnight to the IndyCast, the world's number one Indiana Jones fan podcast. Trust me. Featuring the latest news, reviews, and interviews with on-screen and behind-the-scenes talent who help bring to life the greatest adventure movie series ever made. Each episode has the latest from the world of Indiana Jones, as well as interactive segments, trivia, contests, and specials, including radio dramas and music retrospectives. The Indycast. It's a transmitter It's a radio for speaking to God Available in iTunes or listen directly at TheIndieCast.com If adventure has a name
2: It must be The IndieCast Wherever the target is danger Into the prey leaps the mighty man of steel Racing with supersonic speed To exploding excitement Folding fearlessly into violence and villainy No human onslaught can stay there. Super Invincible. Zooming out of the skies and crashing through into the very teeth of hair-raising peril. A towering hero, booming with super action. Sworn enemy of all evil, smashing through. His only shield, his super body. At every turn, slamming into breathtaking hazards. The superhero of them all. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a speeding locomotive, leaping buildings in a single bound. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman, fighting for truth and justice. See the adventures of Superman.
0: So the movie starts at the nightclub.
3: Yeah, as 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 some some Avon Costello movies do.
0: Yeah, they seem very at home in a nightclub setting, don't they?
3: They do, they do. And uh, again, I love this film, but there are a couple of uncomfortable moments in in this we would please as you're watching this in 2015 oh yeah remember this was 1941 this was a whole different era the world was different there are a couple little uncomfortable moments in there uh you know there's be called racist today i'm sure but you know it's yeah. like it's a whole different era back then so just keep that in mind yeah one of the numbers uh ted lewis's number i just you know i want to mention this right off the bat there's a, a me and my shadow. He does with an mm-hmm. African American performer. It's again, it's one of those awkward, kind of uncomfortable sequences to watch in 2015. Uh, and then Lou has Lou has a, a line later in the film at the gas station that's similar. So again, put this into perspective of of the time period in which you're watching it. That, that is there. We want to prepare listeners as they're watching this movie those moments are in there
0: there there are a couple things that they don't age nearly as well and uh, you know it was a different time like you said and that doesn't necessarily make it right but it is one of those things that you know it was in the pop culture at the time right or wrong and
3: yeah i mean you think of al jolson you know the jazz singer and all these things come up so yeah this again when you go back and watch movies from the 20s 30s 40s You know you're going to have that in there, so just keep that in mind. You know, as as we're singing the praises of this movie, it is set in 1941. So just keep that in mind, and it doesn't really come up a lot in Abbott and Costello films, but it's very jarring in this one. Yeah, it doesn't come up a lot. I I don't think I've seen. Well, um, you've watched more of them than I have, but
0: I haven't seen it in many of the films from Abbott and Costello. And really,
3: jumping out at me now.
0: Yeah, and even in this one, it's it's not huge. It's, oh no it's, it's very small it's just a very minor bit with ted lewis doing the song me and my shadow and if you go and look online and and read a little bit more about ted lewis in some places he's praised for bringing african-american on, on stage with him to do these things that that was kind of a big deal so
3: exactly yeah i mean we think about that it's you know at that time that was amazing to do that but again watching it with 2015 eyes you kind yes. of look back and go wait a minute what so again you and then hey there's a history lesson for you so go back and read up on like you did, um, get some of the context to it. it. might might bring a whole different perspective to it. So. Exactly. Um, so. But, yeah, but I think said, it's a good thing to warn people about. But it yeah, it that's is. Sad. I do want to put that in because when I rewatched it again, I was like, whoa, forgot about that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgot about that scene. Oh, okay. That said, we do have the Andrews sisters as well. So we've got the great Ted Lewis. We've got the Andrews sisters. You know, okay, I get that Ab and Costello are awesome when there's not just these random musical numbers coming up. I, however, do like random musical numbers in Evan Costello films. Not the <laughs> overused. I love the Andrews Sisters. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I love. I love. You know, I don't know there's... much
0: about them I- other than they turn up in movies a lot,
3: <laughs> especially Evan Costello films. Yeah. Um, you know, great crowd pleaser back in 1941. You've got that whole, you know, in the you know Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B back in you know in the service comedies and you know they they've got all these numbers. Yeah, they have Aurora in this one. Mm -hmm. I I like them. I just, I kind of like that. And then all of a sudden it cuts back to the boys. Sometimes they'll cut back in musical numbers to the jokes and then goes back, you know, and it's just like, I kind of like that. Now, I don't like them in every film. Obviously, in Frankenstein, it wouldn't have worked. No, not at all. And And now Ted Lewis (laughs) and the Andrew (laughs) sisters, you know. I'm doing (laughs) Count Floyd all of a sudden, but... I don't know that that would have worked. I don't know. I'd watch that. I
0: don't know if (laughs) Count Floyd introduced the Andrew Sisters. Sign me up.
3: You know, or, you know, launch AD, all of a sudden the full moon comes out. Like, Andrew Sisters, (laughs) you know, and then. (laughs) So I don't think it would have worked in the monster films necessarily. No, but it does fit in this. Yeah, so I like it. I like it when it's appropriate. And
0: they're the wraparound bit too. I mean, they're going to show up at the end of the movie as well. So you got them. You got Ted Lewis, and you know we mentioned earlier uh, Abbott and Costello are the relief waiters, and we talk about this every time. So in this movie, their characters' names are Chuck and Ferdinand. Yeah. Um, Chuck is Abbott, or excuse me, Abbott is Chuck, and Costello is Ferdinand or Ferdy. But we're probably going to call them Abbott and Costello because that's who they are.
3: Chuck Murray and Ferdy Jones, but they're yeah. Abbott and Costello. Yeah. yeah, it's just we talk about that. They do have character names. Sometimes they have different character names and they call themselves Abbott and Costello in the film. We've talked, I think that was that in Mummy. I think, I it think comes so, out yeah. of one of
0: them. Yeah. yeah it's like, hey Lou, hey Lou. Like, what?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Even with them, they didn't care. So it's yeah. like, why should we all oh, these years later? They're Abbott and Costello. You've
0: got Chuck in this one. happens playing Chuck, but isn't he Chick in I mean Frankenstein? So I mean yeah. it, whatever.
3: Well, you get the the great, you know, Chuck <laughs> Chuck. Chuck or ch ch So you get that Exactly Costello scared thing going on. Yeah. So that, that's a kind of a cool scared Costello name for him to utter, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool.
0: It's perfect for that bit. Mm-hmm. So they're the yeah. relief waiters and Chuck's doing or, or Abbott's fine. I mean he could be a waiter. Sure, why not? But Costello, come on. No. <laughs> it's
3: there's something horrible going down. Well, I even love the opening scene where they're they're in the back room you know, shooting dice. Yeah you know they kind of go back to the service comedies and obviously they wanted that familiarity with the audiences because we've seen some of those different things but yeah there's that going on they're there but Costello's not waiting tables <laughs> he's no. doing everything but waiting tables Sure uh, and you've got some random scenes where you know an older gentleman comes in with a a girl who's not his daughter but calls him daddy Yeah you can read into that whatever you want Sure read into it whatever you want and <laughs> Costello finds out that it's not her real father so he starts hitting on her of course in front of him Yeah <laughs> it's- very interesting. Offer some soup. Uh, there's there's a whole <laughs> soup sequence, which. But I don't want any soup. <laughs> neither does she. Does she? I want some soup. <laughs> Sorry, we're out of soup. <laughs> <laughs> just, I love how he takes the menu and just rips it off. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then the chair gag pulling in the chair. You know, there's yeah, there's a lot of great physical Costello comedy to take place in in a nightclub setting, yep. which is what we get. Yeah. So they're obviously they eventually get fired. And have to go back to their well. The, yeah, this was at the Shea Glamour restaurant that they were nightclub they were at, which I thought was a, a very yeah, stagey name for it. Sure. But they get fired from Shea Glamour and have to go back uh, to the the gas station, nope. which they I, I guess in the production they looked you know high and low for a gas station. I don't know, I couldn't find a gas station in California. They couldn't shoot, so they ended up building it on the back lot. Oh, did they really? Yeah, so they built that I'm nice. like, how could you not find a gas station? Because apparently it wasn't working, so they ended up building a gas station in the back lot. Wow.
0: Now, before we get to the gas station, though, there is a little bit of extra setup at the nightclub that we probably need to talk about real quick. Because what yes. really throws the story at the boys, what really brings them in, is there's, there's some mobster stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect that going into this. I had no idea that that's how this was going to kind of all – Come together and bring the boys to the haunted house setup. So there's this mobster whose name is Moose, Moose Matson.
3: Yep, the gangster.
0: Yeah, and he, apparently he's loaded, and he doesn't tell anybody where any of his money is. He keeps it all in his head. He says that becomes important later.
3: Yeah, because they're going. They they know there was this job that he got. You know, this crime that he committed he got all this money, and so like every all the gangsters want the money. Uh-huh. And they're like, where is the money? Where is you know? It's in my head. Okay, it's in my head. The, there's the seed that's been planted early on,
0: and this. I imagine had to be kind of reworked into the script because the nightclub stuff was all added later. So I'm wondering how that was established originally in the script.
3: When you look at that book too, the the ending of this film ends with them turning this tavern into a rest home. Right. You know, this sort of old folks home and then there's these jokes at the end and there's a dead body that comes out again at the end. So that all got changed back to the nightclub setting. So yeah, there was a lot of reworking and retooling and some different reshoots and some dialogue added in. So, yeah, I don't know exactly how that plays into it. But it, it does set up the story pretty nicely for us.
0: So this is all established here at the nightclub. But, yeah, I mean, we're watching the boys here at the gas station. And then, again, we get the we kind of mentioned the oil gag. You know, it's very similar to the soup gag. You, know, you sure you don't want any oil? We got oil. We got oil. Yeah. He even helps himself into Moose Mattson's car to ask him about oil. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, like, they're there. It's like Abin keeps, like, trying to upsell him. Yep. He just wants gas. He just wants to fill up the car with gas and get out of there. And so Abby keeps trying to upsell him, you know, with you know new tires and this and, and Costello's just hooked on the oil. He just locks into this oil. He keeps wanting to sell oil. I don't know if he gets a commission off it or whatever, but yeah. And he just he doesn't want any oil. Yep. <laughs> oh so, yeah. Uh, and there's a, a very again, a kind of a disturbing scene when you watch him with you know twenty fifteen eyes. Costello finds out this guy is kind of nefarious as he's going through because he kind of flips open this little. As he's in the car, he flips open this little uh, container in the middle of the car or whatever, and there's all these guns in there. He's got, hold on, how many guns he needs? There's like this whole thing's full of guns. And Costello takes out a handgun and thinks it's a toy and puts it at his head and pulls the you know the trigger like twice. It's like ah yeah, <laughs> you know that's I, a little.
0: I was a little shocked by that. Like whoa, Whoa whoa.
3: Yeah. It's one of those things that jumps out at you. It's kind of strange. I mean, it's when you see it in a cartoon from the 40s, it's one thing. But when you see like a live action actor doing it, uh, it's totally different. You're like, ah, whoa. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, and then he like points it away and then pulls it. And obviously the gag is that the the gun goes off, um, which draws the attention of the police, which brings them over, which causes Moose to have to drive off with the boys in the car. And it sets our whole story into motion.
0: So Costello got into the car to kind of dust off the back, you know, dust clean up the back seat, that sort of thing, and yeah. obviously push the oil. But as things start to pick up, Abbott just kind of falls into the car and just leaps into the car as well. Yeah. And, I, okay. <laughs> and then it's a chase.
3: Yeah, you got to get both boys in the car. So yeah, just you get, get them gotcha. in the car. Again, and one of them ends up driving at one point, right? Yeah, because Moose has to jump into the back yeah. to shoot at the coppers. Who are chasing him, you know, know, and and, all that going on. And then it's so Ab and Costello are driving. And, you know, it was interesting, too. One of the things in that book, I thought uh, it said the the Breen office, I guess at the time, you know, the censorship office or whatever. It says they were concerned with the gangsters and the violence. More with that than uh, the comedy itself. And one of the things I mentioned, it says. Uh, Let's see. Please have in mind the special regulations regarding crime in motion pictures, which prohibit the showing of gun battles between criminals and the police. With this thought in mind, Moose should not fire over two or three shots at the police, but the police may fire unlimited times at Moose. Please avoid gruesomeness in scene 46 where – there we go. Moose is shot and in scene 52 where he dies. So that's what happens during the chase. So it's interesting that they had to limit the amount of shots that he could fire – I didn't notice that until, you know, you read up on them. Police could just unload on him. Very strange.
0: Knowing that and then going back and watching the movie again, which I'm sure I'm going to. He doesn't get a lot of shots off, does he?
3: No, he doesn't get a lot of shots off and he gets shot. And and again, this even extends to the comedy too. We talked about the gas station scene. Again, set in the 40s, there's the joke about ethyl alcohol. You uh-huh. know, so Ethel and obviously you have the name play Ethel. I don't even know her, you know. Um, and the one <laughs> of the one of the, the lines is you know, why is it more expensive? Well, you can go farther with Ethel. And so that was deleted, you know, so it's like because of the suggestiveness of the of the, yeah. the exchange. Was, I got I, in this section of the books. So I just want to read this one part, too. It says there's even one unintentionally funny caveat that Lou would have appreciated. Scene 191. Care must be exercised to avoid vulgarity where Costello undresses for bed. I love that line, too.
0: <laughs>
3: and they mentioned the. They also mentioned the post office line, you know, that it almost got cut. You know, he's like, oh, that's a kid's game. And Costello says, not the way I play it. Yeah. You know, that one got made it into the film. It's pretty cool. Get the book if you look at it. That one got a, a laugh out loud moment for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the post office line
3: really got me. So. <laughs> so it's interesting when you see these things play out, like what scenes make it in, which scenes have to get trimmed. So, yeah, again, going back to the gun battle. Yeah, Moose can only fire a couple of shots, and the police obviously get him, so sure. he dies. And that that's how the boys end up getting the tavern.
0: Yeah, as he dies, his hand falls out, and he's got the last will and testament in his hand right there. And that's yeah. important because that's he said that's how they end up getting the resort, and we go to the scene with the lawyer, and he's reading the will out loud, and Moose didn't trust any of the people he was with, so basically bequeathed everything that he owned to whoever was with him when he died.
3: Yeah, I thought that – I'm hearing sirens. <laughs> Wow. It's not moose, I swear. <laughs> are you watching the movie or is that outside your window? No,
0: that's outside the window.
3: Huh. Oh, the cops are coming to get moose. I know. This <laughs> <laughs> is like live act. We're not even adding sound effects. That's right. Who needs to do it? There's your production values, folks.
0: There we go. That's why, yeah. We're bringing it to
3: life. <laughs> I I thought that was an okay plot device. Um, how sure. they get this thing, because I thought that that was the whole thing was he has this last will and testimony. He can't trust anybody. And he knows that whoever's around him are going to be ne'er-do-wells and miscreants. And he's like, whoever's with me, obviously stuck with me. They were the ones that I could trust, whoever it is that's around me. Well, it happens to be Abba Costello. So they get his tavern.
0: And I don't know if you can trust Costello, but
3: um, or Abbott, really. I mean, you can't <laughs> definitely can't trust Abbott. But Abbott's a con man.
0: Yeah, but they do get the estate, yeah. the tavern, the the home, the old dark house. Uh, but Moose's people aren't done with Moose. They still want Moose's money. They want the riches, and that's basically the plot of the movie: is them trying to find a way to get the the riches away from Bud and Lou. They, the whole yeah. thing is a big setup at this point, the people that are
3: after Moose's uh, fortune. Yeah, they know it keeps it in his head, uh-huh. it's cryptic clue. What does that mean? So they obviously think it's at his place. Sure. It's um, a yeah, pretty, pretty reasonable assessment. Um, so the boys are sitting there with the attorney. The attorney kind of makes a little shifty look off, sides to the camera so we know he's <laughs> he's not on the up and up. This sort of assistant comes in. He's going to take the boys for a ride. Hey, when the gangster says, we're going to take you for a ride, Lou's like, we're going to go for a ride. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy, Abbott. Chuck? (laughs) Yeah, a gangster takes you for a ride. It's not going to end well. No, not at all. Yeah, so then again, so Charlie Smith, he's the associate. He's going to take him for a ride. Hires out this freelance bus company. It's not really a bus. It's kind of like a giant taxi Mm -hmm. service, which is a little, you know, I don't know. I guess those are popular in the 40s. I don't know. But, like, everybody's piling into this. And that's where all uh, we mentioned earlier at the diner. Mm-hmm. Um, where Champ where Power was. That's sort of where all our characters come together. Right. So yeah. he, he's taking on some extra fare. He's like, hey, it's just supposed to be the two of them. And he's like, I want to take on some extra fares. I'll make a little extra money on the side. Yep. And we find out what he's up to later, this little bus driver.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, so that's how we get Richard Carlson, Joan Davis, Evelyn Anchor. So that's how we get everybody. Uh, Charlie Smith, real quick, was played by Mark Lawrence, who uh, also in another Universal Monster movie called The Monster and the Girl, he appeared in that. Uh, and he was active in movies up through the early 2000s. So he continued to work. He appeared in a James Bond movie. So I know Scott Morris will be happy to hear that. Um,
3: <laughs> wow, well, his IMDb page must be loaded yeah, for he that. He num- yeah. did
0: a couple of Star Trek uh, shows. did an episode of The A Team. So I mean, he was constantly working on television and film. So and I, and I yeah. liked him. So
3: and you'll notice when when you see like, oh, that guy, you know, like, like there's you see a lot these, of these character actors. Yeah, you see them coming in.
0: The more of these movies you watch, you get a lot of that. Oh, there's that. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's how we get everybody into the bus, everybody out to the old dark house, which happens to be out in the middle of nowhere. So the gangsters has got to take them for a ride. It, it isolates everybody. Well, that's what you
3: want, and exactly. it's it almost like I could I could actually see this being done as a stage play. Um, you know, obviously because everything's kind of taking place in one area where, whether it's the nightclub or it's the gas station or at the, the haunted house. Sure. So this would make a very cool stage play. Uh, as it goes on, too, because then you go in and it kind of becomes almost like Ten Little Indians. Agatha oh, Christy yeah. Is one of those things, you know, where you go and where you get all the characters together in a house and then they start disappearing. And then everybody, nobody wants to go off by themselves. Of course, they send Bud sends Costello off by himself all the time. It's, it, sure. again, it's going back to Scooby Doo. It's like Fred always goes off, you know, with the girls and he sends <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby off by themselves you know, because hijinks have to ensue. At some point, so you know that's where you get that. But yeah, you get all those like you know, like we said, creaking doors. You come in and they're, the the people are going around, and it's like the hands come out of the wall and yoink, and yep. then somebody's gone. And then then you get dead bodies falling out of rooms and and scared Costello and good stuff.
0: Scared Costello, you can never go wrong with scared Costello. You really can. I love
3: scared Costello. Always oh, awesome. Love especially it, especially
0: when he's got a great set like this to be scared in. It's just fantastic.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. They had up to have fun down the, set.
0: the stairs and through a wall. I mean, just
3: well, and there's even one scene where uh, it, like he comes flying down the banister. Yep. <laughs> in one of his scared moments, and that's his brother stuntman Pat Costello that comes that comes flying down there. <laughs> um. So yeah, it just it's a big playground, a big playground for these guys. Sure. As an actor, that had to be awesome.
0: Oh, I bet.
3: I can imagine. That. Yeah. Well, the place is all kind of broken down. It is. So you know, it's not something you'd want to inherit anyway. I don't. It's just very strange. But you know, again, if you're going to hide money, you know, that's a great place to hide it. Because who would go there?
0: It's off the beaten track. There's nothing really to draw anybody there. It's, it's all broken
3: down, run down. Well,
0: and the bus driver ends up leaving everybody there. He abandons them there.
3: Well, that's the thing. That's why he wanted to take on all those extra fares. So that yep. kind of. Pay, I love how they're dropping these things in, and they're not that random. They do pay off. Yep. Because they, are like, well, why don't they just leave? If there's dead bodies, they can't leave. It's a a dark and stormy night. They can't get out. It's like the roads are flooded. Um, You know, like, hey, let's just stay here for the night before we get trapped on the road somewhere. Well, that makes perfect sense. They all get out and go in, and then the bus driver takes off with all their luggage and their money and abandons them. So it all makes perfect sense.
0: Everybody's luggage but Abbott's because Abbott's (laughs) went the other way.
3: (laughs) Which way are we going, North? Well, your luggage just went south. Yeah, (laughs) Costello puts it on the wrong car. Let's just say that. Well, he's trying to fling it into the car, and he (laughs) he just, like – Chucks it over the car and it lands on this other bus going the other direction on the top. And so yeah, poor yeah. Abbott. Sorry, Abbott. Yeah, well he doesn't change clothes anyway, so he's no, fine. No, that's true. That's true.
0: Uh, so yeah, we've got we've got our five. Uh, yeah, it's just five of them at this point. It's Abbott and Costello, Richard Carlson, Joan Davis, who's awesome, and yeah. uh, Evelyn Anchors. I mean, Joan Davis is amazing in this film.
3: She really is. That's why I say her her comedy chops are on par with Lou's. As mm-hmm. we go through just those looks that you make. And that's the thing is that she has this. We, we kind of said that's the payoff of the joke as we go through is that she's known for this scream. Ah, She screams and that's her, her only line of thing. But when she has to scream in real life, she can't scream. Yep. And so we have get that comedy going in. They're like, well, that's very strange how that happens.
0: <laughs> she can't so she scream, great, but she makes these wonderful faces.
3: That's the thing. It's the physical comedy. It's, yep. it's that's the and it's as much as Costello has these great looks. She's
0: got them, too. Well, and if you need some screaming, you got Evelyn Acres on set, and she does let some go <laughs>
3: later on. Yeah, in the she's night.
0: a so great screamer. This, oh, she's awesome. Yep. Yeah, so they're exploring the house, trying to figure out what they're going to do what, you know, for the night, that sort of thing, and it really is all run down. I mean, we mentioned earlier you know, a tavern kind of setup, but that's not what we have originally here. It really just looks like an old broken-down house.
3: Yeah, it's just I mean there's you know the water pouring from the ceiling which lends itself to a sight gag later. Um creaking doors, everything's broken down. And then yeah, so the um Smith actually gets taken away. So the we get our first missing person as we're going through. So now we, everybody knows there's something going down. Yep. There's something horrible that's happening. Uh but they still take time for dinner. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> It's not very good. No, he's searching for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, again, his corpse turns up a little bit, but um, again, they they have dinner, which sets up the plot point of there's something wrong with the water.
0: Yep,
3: is something wrong with the water, and then there's the great, great moment where where there's something wrong with the water it might be poison. Costello, you drink it. Yeah, <laughs> you find out. And there's a whole scene where where Bud's like forcing Costello to drink it. He yeah. So that's pretty cool, too. There's a lot of more comedy coming in there.
0: It's another great moment. I mean,
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: It might be poison. You drink it. I don't want to drink it. Why? It might be poisoned. I mean, it's just the wordplay, the timing. It's not even yeah, wordplay, but the, the timing.
3: Water. Yeah. And and he does it. He's because uh, Bud told him to. Yep. So he has to do it. Yeah. And then this leads directly into so we know something's wrong with the water, and this leads directly into our dance sequence. Um, <laughs> Whether, you know, they put some music on, and uh, it just Lou. And Joan Davis get up and do this dance number. I can't even describe it. You just have to see it. It's one of the greatest physical comedy pieces ever. And it's just the two of them just beating each other senseless. Well, more Joan beating Luke. Crashing into a piano. There is that. But before
0: that starts, there's also a moment between Carlson and Anchors where she asks him if he'd like to dance. Yeah, as soon as I learn how. And it's just one little tiny moment. Yes. But, I mean, Carlson's trying to be funny here and he – Delivered with what yeah, he needed to do, right. but then of course it's overshadowed by, you
3: know, the dance number with Joan and Lou. And it's
0: is it a dance number or is it just her beating him up?
3: <laughs> it's a little of both. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's just it's that crazy, wacky comedy. Um, but again, you have all these set pieces. So there's this huge puddle of water in the oh, middle of man. the floor from the from the dripping ceiling. It's raining out, so obviously, so that's all set up. But then they play off into that. So Lou goes flying through it, and then they have this big water battle within it and they keep trying to one up each other. My wife noticed this as we're going through too is that you watch the characters in the background. Watch the dance because then go back and watch the characters in the background. They're all like struggling not to laugh. Yeah. As this is going on, it's almost as entertaining watching them <laughs> watching <laughs> Lou and Joan, it's it's a really wildly creative scene. And then it ends with her falling into a bucket. And they even said that like they had to create a bucket that just fit perfectly, you know, because Shove it, and Lou starts playing it like it's a bongo. <laughs> it's just brilliant comedy. I lo- at, that, at that point, you're like, it can't get any funnier. And then it does. Oh, yeah, of
0: course. But,
3: yeah, no. <laughs> yeah,
0: brilliant. you mentioned the big puddle. and had to be big because it accommodated some pretty big falls. And I was feel I was cringing a little bit for Costello. I was like, dude, you're going to be black and blue by the time this is over. This is,
3: oh, yeah.
0: ow, ooh, you're not a stuntman.
3: Ow, ooh. No, he <laughs> takes like a full running, yeah. you know, galloping through this thing and slides on it and flies and what yeah it's really it's broad and that's a big set. it's yeah. a big set to accommodate all those things because he's crashing into pianos. He's doing that, you know, they're he's picking each other, picking each other up and smacking each other in the head. So there had to be a lot of room for the physical comedy and all the actors in there to kind of relate to it. And then you've got Bud on the side just like shaking his head at Costello. <laughs> it's like what in the world? Yep. But I love the fact that At that point, Costello gets to shine. It's like Bud's completely out of the picture. He'll do his little asides, but this is Lou Costello's moment to shine, and he he does, along with John.
0: Really good stuff.
3: Yep. So dinner's a bust. Dancing's a bust.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Very much. Time for bed.
0: Yeah. Well, do they go to bed, or do they start looking for Charlie?
3: Oh, they start looking – yeah, they do start looking for Charlie. That's right. Yeah, they go through there. Yeah, because eventually things happen, and then they – yeah, they eventually get to bed, which I – who could sleep on a night like that anyway, but – well,
0: Richard Carlson can apparently. Apparently, he can.
3: Yes. <laughs> All right. Good night, and he just walks out. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, really. He's really distract. He's that scientist, that like single focused scientist, yep. and because he, he's got to do experiments and things too. He's got to get some. So you know, he's going to experiment on the water. There's something weird going on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's a little distracted. He doesn't care about dead bodies and gangsters' money and things like that.
0: But when we do go to bed, when uh, Abbott and Costello do go to bed, that's where we start to. Get some other great moments between the two of them because it's just them two now. It's awesome to watch Carlson and Anchors and Davis kind of react to or play off of them, but you do have these moments in this movie where it's just Abbott and Costello doing their thing.
3: Yeah, you get the wordplay, you yeah. get the vaudeville routines, and and this is a great setting for that. We talked about the Moving Candle. Mm-hmm. Um, this that's as as much as the the dance number is a showstopper. This is this is a set piece. Yeah. and the changing room too you know obviously it's a gag that gets repeated often throughout Evan and Costello films in different forms and it's always funny. that's how solid these bits are yeah that you can repeat them a million different ways and they're still funny oh, so yeah. things happen you know Costello's room completely changes around and it's a gambling operation and but when somebody comes back in to see it, it changes back and nobody believes Lou
0: I mean I credit Costello for that because his reactions to it yeah you know watching him react to the changing room the room not being the way it was before it, he was a master. He really
3: was. He is. I mean, you talk about some of the greats. I mean, you talk about Charlie Chaplin. You talk about Harold Lloyd. I mean, you talk about all the Marx Brothers. And these guys, right in there with it, and Costello especially, he, he can just sell a gag with a look yep, or an aside or a small little verbal mention or anything. He can just sell it like Just a slow else.
0: turn to the camera. Slowly. He tur- no, just a slow Slowly. turn. The- Slowly. <laughs> just a slow turn to the camera into acknowledge that something odd just happened. I mean, brilliant.
3: Yeah, I, I love it. That, that's why I love these guys. I mm-hmm. really do. These are my favorite comedians. They yep. really are, and this is why. Uh, again, Prime Ab and So But you get the different variations. Bodies are falling out, and it's like, oh, you know, we'll go back, and then the body's not there, or the rooms change. It's all these different things. The moving candle. We've seen that actually in Frankenstein. We yeah. used that in Meet Frankenstein too. And Jones looking at the one candle while the other candle starts moving around. <laughs> so you told me look at this candle. <laughs> you know it's good stuff. And they, and all the actors help sell it. And I think that's. An uncredited part of all this is that while Lou's doing his thing, the other actors are helping to sell it, too. Everybody's got a little moment in this one, and it's really nice. Like you mentioned, Carlson, he's got these little asides that just kind of amp everything up. It's a a perfect little gem of a film.
0: Mm -hmm. It really is. I love the changing room set i thought i mean it wasn't just move the book and a bookcase opens up i mean you pull a lever and the entire room changes beds flip over rule out tables come pulling out slot machines
3: appear beds fall over with actors on them yeah you know it's just like yeah it's a huge set and it's functional i don't know how long it took them to get it that way or what kind of outtakes they'd have but it's a big set and it's functional and it, it really accommodates
0: what they're trying to do with this film it it Is it fair to say that maybe it's a whole new character for the film, a different character for the film? I I would even go as far as saying yes, because of just the way it looks on film, the way it moves uh, when the changing room happens and all that, and the way the timing had to work with Costello coming in and out and Abbott coming in and out. It's just really solid work. And you get those comedy moments with Abbott and Costello trying to figure out why the room is changing back and forth, back and forth. And, of course, Abbott never believes him.
3: No, he doesn't. I yeah. mean until you know, and then eventually well we again we've seen that in Frankenstein, you that's know, the finally, formula. you know yeah, finally he sees the transformation. Oh no, I believe But Yeah, I mean you don't have that comedy coming. And we've talked about how like kind of some things are random in some Abbott and Costello films. And it's like you just like go, Okay, well that's just Abbott and Costello, we'll finally we. in this one everything they've planted all the scenes. It's a great screenplay. I mean it, it really, really is. is. They they plant all these things throughout, and everything makes perfect sense. Meet the killer Boris Karloff. You kind of get to the end, you're like, okay, well, I, I get that, but it, you know, I don't know that they necessarily earned uh, all of it. The the punchline at the end, yeah. um, it could be. I mean, we talked a little bit about that, but like this one, I think every moment is earned. I, yeah. I believe that. I don't think there's a false note in the film.
0: I agree with you. I think everything that is intended to set things up works.
3: Yeah, even the reshoots—they went back in and dropped lines in to explain the reshoots. Like, okay, well at least they did that.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, they I were mean, thinking they,
3: ahead. They worked to make it work. Yep, and it shows. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, they, I think, again, great set pieces, like you mentioned. That room is just perfect, and everything makes <laughs> awesome. sense. Awesome.
0: <in> yeah, <laughs> love that. I love that. So, I mean, of course, the movie kind of falls into this madcap kind of—you know—who's doing what to who? Where's the money? A couple of people show up who claim to be police officers.
3: Right. Well,
0: are they? no, no. Yeah, exactly <laughs> and at first you know you might think well okay maybe they are cops who just happen to be around but as soon as they start revealing that they know where some of the secret passages are well okay they're not cops they must have been one of moose's or part of moose's gang or knew about moose and the money and they're there to try to find the money as well you know charlie's body keeps popping up everywhere
3: <laughs> yeah and that's the thing i mean it's called hold that Ghost. i mean we, we've got it on monster kid radio here there's not really a monster in it it's you know, you know it's yeah, I mean they're they're monsters in the sense of who they are as people, but they try to scare everybody off. That's what they're trying to do. It's kind of like that whole Scooby. I would have gotten away with it if you weren't for you meddling kids, you know. <laughs> so you kind of get that kind of Scooby Doo that we're building too. But yeah, right. all the different things they're trying to scare them off. They're putting bed sheets on, you know. It's, <laughs> it's like you know, and it scares the women. They go running around. Scares Costello again. You got this great corridor shots where they're oh, running around God, they're
0: great aren't they
3: yeah so there's just a lot of cool moments that are so going in, a lot of scary moments it works it's cheesy but it works
0: it's uh, beautiful overall? though i mean i yeah, yeah it it, really it, is. there's there's, there's cheese sure you know and there's there's the physical comedy and you know maybe that doesn't strike everybody the way that it's striking us but it's such a fun ride and it looks so good it's lush it yeah. doesn't feel like they were just spinning their wheels like maybe something meet the mummy kind of does a little bit. I mean, this one everybody's putting their all in and giving us so much that now what? Is this movie what 70 years old? At yeah. this point, god. Well, it's so delivered.
3: And there are some moments of sheer terror too, because yeah. as as Carlson and Anchors are getting together, falling in love. Of course, you fall in love within hours, right? That seems reasonable. <laughs> we call that trauma bonding.
0: That's what Tra- <laughs> trauma
3: bonding. We get two good-looking people together. Of course, they're going to fall in love. Yeah, um, but the, like the knife comes out, you know, at, at the, you <laughs> know, and obviously it's like it, it's not terrifying enough that they're not going to continue their romantic uh, involvement. <laughs> But then knife comes out again. It's like like several knives come flying out and and these criminals are very bad aim because they just like hit the wall. Yeah. But yeah, there there are moments of terror in it. Their lives are in danger. There are dead bodies falling out of walls and things. So, yeah, the, the gangsters are not only trying to scare them off, they're trying to either scare them off or kill them off.
0: Yeah. Now we may have spoiled a lot of the setup here, but I think we're both also being intentionally vague about a lot of the specifics of what happens here in the house. Well, we
3: did tell, we did warn people to to pause it, go back and watch the movie, and then come back and hear us gab about it. But there's a
0: lot of hijinks that ensue here, and I think it goes to a great climax. I love the way it ends. Costello saves the day. I mean, inadvertently, I love that too. Which again is something that's set up earlier in the movie. I don't know if it was intentional. Was. Costello's whistling a gag for him—is that something that he would do on the radio and that sort of thing?
3: I mean, I know he would always. I'm trying to think where it fits in in the timeline too, because I know in a lot of movies he'll do the, woo, you know, <laughs> he'll do that kind of thing. And then, of course, in this one we get the wolf whistle, you know, you know, I can't even do it right now. But you've seen that in a lot of like Looney Tunes, yeah. You know, so I don't know time-wise, timeline-wise, when he would do that or when he would do the woo thing. But you kind of get that little moment of him doing that and i think even the censorship board was careful about like doing the wolf whistle depending on what he was reacting to you know if it was something amazing he could probably do it but if it was something you know a little risque and he did that it was like i think they tried to put the brakes on some of that again the time period but um
0: there's a couple things that slip through though
3: <laughs> yeah we do get a lot of Costello wolf whistles in this one a lot of them
0: i'm surprised to hear that the breen Uh, People had a problem with so much of the movie that, but it still made its way in. The post office gag, there's, or or bit, there's one bit where they're talking about sleeping together. Yeah. And it just goes by so fast.
3: Yeah. It looks like we're going to get to sleep together. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, these little, again, those little moments you catch in the film, they're very cool. But yeah, you mentioned uh, Costello saves the day. We do get the payoff at the beginning. He's like, I keep money in my head. He actually does.
0: Yep. I mean, the guy's name is Moose, right? And yes, it is. We do find a room with. Okay, we did say we're going to spoil it. We do find a room with a bunch of hunting trophies. Yes, we do. So, where do you think?
3: And there's the, a moose head. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, Albert and Costello didn't it more than just an old dark house. They did, yeah. And Costello is the one that figures it out. Yep. So you know, they kind of goes and th- those moments too. I was I was looking in that in that book. It mentions that I think a lot of the adle- again a tight script very good screenplay everything follows according to suit but i think in that moment those are a lot of costello adlibs as he's like reaching up into the mouth of the moose he's talking to the moose as if it were yeah, alive true. and all of a sudden money starts coming out of this moose head <laughs> but i think a lot of those were costello adlibs that he was going through i don't know that all of them are scripted I, and when you watch that. the film those are those are brilliant i love them it's okay. just funny watching him just kind of reacting to this. He's just grab, he blind, he's grabbing blind. He can't see what he's pulling out. And uh, Bud and Joan Davis are just, money's raining off at this point. And so they're just like, keep pulling stuff out.
0: <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm just sitting here grinning because I'm thinking about the movie. I just. <laughs>
3: <laughs> which isn't which isn't the best thing for a podcast. No, it's
0: not. It's not. So, uh yeah, try to dial it back here, be a little bit more professional derek Come Well, on. people can watch the movie while they're listening to the podcast we and we'll we do go. it as
3: a director's commentary oh, or is that uh, how that is? <laughs> I think something like that. Yeah. So sure, sure. No, <laughs> well, just... a lot of commentaries I watch, it's like depending on who it is, if it's a director or a producer or a writer, they'll talk and explain everything. If it's an actor, they'll sit there and watch the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" You know, it's just like they're it's like what happened there? That's why right. anyway. It's <laughs> kinda of cool. So
2: um, but yeah, yeah. so it,
3: but we even get to pay off with the water. Yes. Why was the why did the water taste funny? Why was it weird? Oh, it's got therapeutic pedophic value. It's like Costello's the only one that can't say it. But our doctor, the great Richard Carlson, he's been off doing scientific experiments. That's what he was doing in he, the middle of all this. Yeah. In the middle of dead bodies falling around, everybody's just like, I got work to do. He finally figures out that's the thing. The the water has therapeutic value. So let's make some cash off that. Why not? I have the cash, but I think that was in the original screenplay was that I think the money was counterfeit. So they ended up turning the tavern into a rest home. And then, you know, you had a a patient there and then you pull this cord and you know, the nurse will come. And then they pull the cord and the dead body falls out. And Joan Davis screams into the camera, and that's the big punchline. That's the original ending. That all goes away. Mm-hmm. So now we've got the money, we've got the therapeutic water, and the criminals are all taken away. Everything's fine. And Ab and Costello have a very cool tavern that they own.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And we get the Andrew sisters back. We get Ted
3: Lewis back. We even get the – was he the head waiter? He Yeah, he was the one that was giving Costello a, a tough time at Shea Glamour. yeah. And now Costello again breaks that fourth wall. I love it. I know you're iffy. You know, on it. I didn't
0: mind it in this as much. In fact, I loved it in this.
3: Yeah, because he looks and he's, and we know he's not letting this guy get away with anything. He's working for Costello now. Yep. And he's not gonna get a, let him get away with it. He's a chin up, chest out, pulling the 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 little vest thing rolls up. You know, you get the comedic moment. He really gives it to this guy. Yep. We stuck it to him earlier in the film. So again, a nice payoff.
0: But no Joan Davis. Because as we talked about, she is off shooting something else now, so they they even come up with a great way to explain why she's gone.
3: Yeah, it's a great line. It's a great line. Yeah, she, to- she was off, um, what was it, Sun Valley Serenade. She was off shooting Sun Valley Serenade, mm-hmm. so she couldn't come back. Um, we'll let that one for the listeners. It's a good line. I like it. Yeah, go watch it. It's explained. It's a yep. nice little moment there, and we get a, and a great punchline with uh, Abbott at the end, too. Yep, yep. Now,
0: when they were counting the money, did you expect the, the money counting or money-changing scene to start playing out?
3: I'd forgotten. I mean, it's been a little while since I've seen it. Like I said, I've seen this one a bunch of times, but some of the gags kind of run together. Yeah. But they do sneak that in there. And yep. it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They got the money changing scene in there. Yep. So they were, yep, they were trying to throw a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> I'm going to
0: count the money at the end. And if you come up short, well, what's my height have to do with it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Good times, exactly. man. This
0: movie is just all over the place fun. Yeah. This it one is. was a blast. It is,
3: and and another uh, great Costello tuxedo gag that we get at the end. We have the zip up tuxedo in the one. We won't tell you how this one ends. We'll let the you know that play out. Well, we had the great sleeping shirt too. The the, the nightgown.
0: Thing. Oh yeah, yeah 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 You know that's earlier in the movie. In this one, I, I loved that. I don't know. I still want the zip up tuxedo more than I want that nightgown suit, but.
3: Yeah, didn't did Scott send us something? What well, <laughs> did he send us? A zip up tuxedo? Oh, thing? that's right. Yeah. Is it available
0: or something? I don't I have to go back and double check.
3: We should get that next to the next crash you guys do. Just all wear zip-up tuxedos.
0: <laughs> Monster Bash.
3: Yes. <laughs> At Monster Bash, we'll all get together and wear zip-up tuxedos. Nice. Yes. So, yeah, a very, very good having Costello. Great. To me... My, probably my second favorite Evan Costello film. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. I think you said that earlier too, right? Yeah. Great yeah. great bookends. Great bookends to the to the scared Costello years.
0: Now I'm not gonna stop watching Aben Costello. Of course not. Who you would? Know? No, I I can't. I mean I I now have that uh, Universal box set.
3: It's a great thing to have. Oh
0: God, yeah. Do you
3: have it? Yeah, I have the four volumes, which are okay. basically all the discs. But I think you got like a nice little package care package kind of thing that goes with. it. It's like a whole. It's like a whole thing, right? It's all in one box, and it's got like other stuff in it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I believe sixteen, di- uh, quite a few discs.
3: <laughs> yeah, because I've got four volumes. I think it's four discs in them, so sixteen discs. But um, just, uh, are there ever little surprise packages in yours or not? Or is it just the discs? Uh,
0: it's just the discs, but they're packaged with. Uh, there's a book, and they're packaged oh, you get a pretty book. well.
3: Yeah, there's a little. Mini yeah, I don't book have the, I don't have the book, so you get a book. Yeah, it looks like a little trunk. I don't know. It's it's on Amazon. You just get it. I mean, it's it's out there. Yeah. So buy you get all the Abbott and Costello Universal Years movies. Yeah. So
0: There's 15 discs, and uh, it it does bookend with uh, the Abbott and Costello Meet Jerry Seinfeld special.
3: You do get that in there. Yep. That's correct. Mm-hmm. I've got that on my volume set, which is a great thing to have. And then the other ones, a lot of them were like public domain. I think they've now been re released as some Blu rays. Uh, some of the ones that weren't in that set, or even just straight up DVDs. Right. But a lot of them you can find. You know, I'm thinking like Jack and the Beanstalk and Captain Kidd and things like that. So they're they're out there pretty cheap. So you can sure. get those ancillary Ab and Costello movies as well.
0: No, I haven't watched it with this, but this version, I don't know if it's on the standalone release. This version of Hold That Ghost does have a commentary track.
3: Oh, who does the commentary track?
0: Uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Miller.
3: Oh, see, I do not have that. So. So maybe maybe I should invest in that <laughs> box, set, even though I have all the discs. Hey, it's a great reason to do that. So that would be very cool. I would and love to hear. If
0: you're that. a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, Frank Conniff does a commentary track on uh, Who Done It as well.
3: Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Are you, are you getting a commission on these or what I'm are you doing? I'm just
0: saying it's a good set. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you may, I may have to invest in this other one now. Uh, but if uh, any listeners don't have any Aben Costello, get it. Just just right now when this podcast ends, go and click on it and get it and have it shipped and put them in your Blu-ray player or your DVD player and just watch them and enjoy. It. These are unbelievable films. Great stuff. Sure,
0: there's a couple things that are not um, PC, I suppose is the best way to put it. But you know these movies are just so good. You know the, the stuff of their time. I mean, whatever. It, it's not like the Ted Lewis, me and my shadow bit is going to mar this film from or keep you from enjoying the movie. It is such a solid film.
3: Now, you kind of know that, and pr- and probably most of your listeners right now are kind of like Looney Tunes fans or that kind of era. I'm guessing a lot of them are. Sure. So you see a lot of that stuff that comes in that wasn't PC that took place during the wartime. Uh, so you have those c- cartoons that are, you know, banned today, but you know, you can see them on the internet and things like that. So again, I almost look at it from a historical perspective too of like, that's that era. I know there's a museum, uh, in Memphis to a toy museum and, and there was like this circus, uh, that they had built up. And, you know, obviously there was segregation that was going on at the time when this thing was built and they put this whole historical perspective in so that kids kind of looking at today kind of know the history of how these things happen. And you see that in a lot of different museums and things where it kind of gives you a background on it. Yeah. And so that kind of puts it into a, in a historical perspective too to say that, look, you know, this is how this happened back then. You don't want this happening today. Right. Um, this is where we were. This is where we are now. And so you kind of get that, that historical perspective. So when you watch these films, watch it with that in mind, or when you watch sure. cartoons from war years uh, and things are said or comments are made. Kind of watch it with a historical perspective in mind, too. That's but, yeah, one of the I, things
0: that I love about doing movies like this or what, I mean, it's why I like these classic monster movies and just classic film periods. Cause I mean, it's an enjoyable story. It's entertaining. It's fun to watch yeah. the comedy or the performances, but you also get uh, a peek into what the culture was like what the society was like it is a history lesson and yeah. it's something else that I enjoy about watching these movies so
3: if, it, if something hits you like that and you're like hey wait what's up with that go google it and find uh-huh. out the history of it and learn a little bit of something I mean that's right. you know what we do and we go through and like you said I agree with you I don't think it mars the no. enjoyment of this film absolutely not it's it's a great one yeah go watch it it's very good stuff I, I enjoy doing these with you I mean yeah. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of go through all these so th- this has been a blast for me what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? I don't know, man. There's some some more Abbott and Costello for us to do, right? Well, I mean, there's a ton of Abbott and Costello. I don't know that it fits into the Monster King radio format, so maybe we could just watch those on our own. But I'm trying to think of something that would fit a monster-ish element, but that might also appeal to my comic book side. Hmm. Is there anything that you could think of that would kind of fit into both of those worlds?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I mean... (laughs) I'll have to look far and low and up, <laughs> up and away and see if I can. <laughs> Don't you be
3: coy. You know ah. exactly what we're doing next. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. We, we've yeah, talked we about it briefly. We did talk about it briefly. But, yeah, we've, we've had a classic Comic Book Central, Monster Kid Radio, Monster Kid Radio, Comic Book Central crossovers in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's do another one. Why not? Why not?
0: Why not? So we're, <laughs> if yeah. So, should we tell people? Go for it. 1951, Superman and the Mole Men.
3: Ah, oh, George Reeves. Yeah. That's the good stuff. Oh, yeah. That is the yeah. good stuff. And we've already started it. We've yes, al- we've we have We've already did. dipped our toe into that water, if you will, <laughs> back on uh, a previous episode of Monster Kid Radio and Comic Book Central. That's
0: right. Yeah, we had a chance to meet Beverly Washburn at uh,
3: Monster Bash.
0: She talked briefly about it with you, and uh, we're going to talk about that
3: movie sometime this year. Oh, uh, wasn't she great? Oh, she I mean, we talked about, hair. I mean, yeah, you know, we talked about Star Trek with her. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, Superman the moment. I talked about Lone Ranger. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, uh, oh, and uh, what was the? Um, spider baby. Spider baby. I knew it was yeah. baby something. Baby spider baby. She was great. And so we did talk about, and she's got a great story about, she, she was a little kid, obviously. when you know, She's a little girl at the beginning of the film. If you've, if you've seen the film, she's a little girl at the beginning of the film. But that's a great story. Yep. She talks about filming that scene. It is a very creepy scene. I mean, I know it's Superman. I know it's kind of cheesy. I mean, if you see these there's little mole men that come up from it, you know. But it is a very creepy scene to kind of kickstart this movie. But yeah, that was a feature film. Uh, we, we're used to seeing George Reeves as Superman in the TV show, but this was the feature film that kicked everything off. So, and it's got monsters in it. Yes, it does. A monster enough for us. Monster enough. Hey, mole men, mole men coming up from the earth. That's a monster to me, yeah, yeah. I think that sells it, yep. That sells it. So, And it's Superman going toe-to-toe with the Mole man.
0: Yep, that's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll definitely do that, and uh, we won't wait several, several
3: months before we do that. So, No, let's get right to it. Yeah, we'll get right to it. Let's yeah, do it definitely. now. Let's
0: just do it. All right, give me a couple let's, hours to so go watch the movie, and then we'll come back. Let's
3: go watch it now. Let's watch it together and do a commentary. Yeah, sure, why not? Well,
0: actually, you know what? We don't really have the time to do that because we've got our own shows to do, Joe, and you've got Comic Book Central. Let the listeners know where they can find you again.
3: It's comicbookcentral.net, and you can also uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. I mean, why not? I mean, go and subscribe to Monster Kid Radio on iTunes. Subscribe to Comic Book Central. (laughs) Every time you boot up, everything's going to download for you. You're never going to miss an episode of either one. Um, That's where you can find us. Well into year two here on Comic Book Central. Uh, so going forward and some great guests coming up uh, that we got to, like, you know, it, it, as a podcaster, you know, until you've recorded something, it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so True. You know, as we're moving through, mention mentioned some of the ones that are out there now. If you haven't heard the episodes, go back. Um, lining up some great guests in the weeks ahead. So I don't want to say anything just yet, but stay tuned. There are some very cool surprises that I think are going to be on the way. Big plans for 2015? Big plans for 2015. Awesome. But it's mm-hmm. fun. Oh, it's, it's a blast, isn't it? Fun. Yeah, it is, and you get these conversations, and some of the ones you get into, and you're like, I don't know how this is gonna go, and then you're about halfway in, and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, some of these interviews I've had, just so you get through, and you're like, oh, these stories come out, and you're like, wow, that was great. Um, the how are the duck ones? I would loved. So <laughs> I, you know, I just I love listening. They were to those.
0: great episodes, man. They really were.
3: There's a great Robin Williams story in the Ed Gale interview. I thought was hilarious. Chip Zion was great who did the voice of Howard. He actually did Howard at the beginning of the show. That's always cool when you get the voiceover actors doing that. So fun times. Yeah. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying listening to your show. And yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's worse, but it's fun.
0: Listeners, uh, even if you're not like a diehard comic book fan like Joe or myself, Joe knows how to do an interview. So check out his show. You're going to be entertained. Even if it's You're about very so kind. Hey, well, You're very you know, kind. Not, I'm only saying that because he's on the line right now, but no, I'm just
3: <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> You have to. I, look, the check will clear. Trust me. All right, all right cool. Cool. check is in the mail. It will clear. Trust me.
0: <laughs> Joe, thanks for coming by Monster Kid Radio to talk Abbott and Costello. And thank you for introducing me to so many awesome Abbott and Costello movies over the past year and a half or two years or whatever.
3: You're quite welcome for that. And thank you for allowing me this forum to rewatch them and talk about them. This was fun. This is really, really fun. Looking forward to doing the comic book thing with you. Oh, it's going to be a blast, man. Looking forward to it. Rock on.
0: What do you guys and gals think? Have you seen the movie yet? If you haven't seen it, I don't think we spoiled everything about the movie. And even if we did, it's still a quality film. And I still think you would dig it. It's available out there on DVD right now. Easy to get your hands on multiple ways highly recommended even though there's not a monster in it proper it's still an old dark house movie which is one of the standards when it comes to being a monster And we love these movies i mean the old dark house itself is a film starring boris karloff or tom poston anyway great film and i'm looking forward to having joe back on the show to talk about superman the mole men That'll be a fun time, too. That'll happen later this year, probably within the next couple of months or so here on Monster Kid Radio, depending on his schedule and mine. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, I have an interview with three filmmakers. These guys are making a film in the style of the Universal Classics. It's called Tales of Dracula. We did a Skype recording session. We're going to share that with everybody next week on Monster Kid Radio, so make sure you come back for that. Before that, though, you can hear me on the Kaiju Casts emergency broadcast. It's the fourth annual live podcast over at KaijuCast.com. The KaijuCast is a podcast devoted to Godzilla and his rubber-suited foes. I've been listening to it for a long time, and I'm honored to be a guest on the show this Sunday, January 11th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time. Go to KaijuCast.com slash live to learn more about it. There will be a chat room. There will be an opportunity for you to win prizes. There's trivia contests, all sorts of great stuff happening. I hope that if you're available Sunday afternoon, you join us in the chat room for the emergency broadcast over at the Kaiju Cast. It's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, in order to get ready for that appearance, I think I'm going to go watch some Ultraman or an episode of Ultra 7. That, that actually sounds like a good idea right about now. In the meantime, remember, the Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song that we used to open the show. We're going to end the show with it as well. It's called Surfin. Spooks. It belongs to the Ghastly Ones. It's on their album, A Haunting We Will Go Go. You can find them at GhastlyOnes.com. It appears on this episode with their permission. Talk to everybody next week.